Hi, welcome to North Church, and we're so excited that you are here with us today. If you're new here, you can expect our services to be about an hour long. In a few moments, the band's going to lead us in some songs, and then you're going to hear from one of North Church's Bible teachers. After the service, I want to invite you into our lobby, where you'll see our information center. There we have really kind and warm volunteers that love to help you get more informed and connected here at North Church. Also, you'll see our full service coffee bar. There we have warm and cold drinks and even donuts, all supported off of your donations. If you're new here, or maybe this is the first time here at North Church, I want to invite you to about a five minute meeting right after service called First Connect. Here you and a pastor will be able to talk about really what is the life of our church and also help you get connected here. On June 30th, between 2 and 4 p.m., Student Ministry is hosting a car wash fundraiser. All the proceeds are going to help students get to camp. So if you'd like to get your car washed, help a student go to camp, be here at North Church on June 30th. It is that time of year again for River Baptism. On August night from 6 to 8 p.m., our church will be down at Pine River Park, having some food, having some fun, and also celebrating with people as they are baptized in the river. If you'd like to sign up for baptism, head on to our website, click on our e-bulletin to sign up. Otherwise, we'll see you at Pine River Park. For more information about North Church, I want to encourage you to check out our website at northchurch.net. There, if you scroll to the bottom of our homepage, you'll see our e-bulletin. There it has all the upcoming events and ways for you to get connected here at North Church. Also, right now on your mobile device, feel free to click on the Facebook app and check in to North Church because every three check-ins provides an item and a world relief basket for refugees coming here to Spokane. If after service you would like some prayer, feel free to step forward as a member of our prayer team would love to agree with you in prayer. Otherwise, please stand as we're about to sing.
Well, good morning, North Church. Super glad you're here with us today. Super glad that you're in the room here, or maybe you're watching us on Facebook Live. Welcome, glad you're here. Take a moment and let us know where you're watching us from in the comments. That would be awesome. Um, my name is Scott. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Um, and I want to speak for just a quick moment to those of you who might be new to the church or newer. Maybe this is your first Sunday. Maybe you've been coming for just a little while. But one of the things that we love to do is help people grow and get connected here in relationships at the church and to what God's doing here. And so at the end of this service, for just about five minutes, I'm going to be right over underneath the TV monitor on that side of the auditorium for a five-minute meeting we call First Connect. It's really just a chance to say hi, to get connected, and maybe help you take next steps of being connected here at the church. So I would love to meet you there at the end of the service. Uh, and then for the rest of us, I want to take the opportunity this morning to talk about what is always every year one of our highlights, and that is our river baptism that's coming up uh, in August, on Wednesday, August 9th. And if you've been a part of our church for any length of time and been to one of those river baptisms, you know how uh, fantastic they are and how terrific and moving and powerful. If not, I want to invite you to come because it is a really great time. We get together uh, hundreds strong, pretty much take over Pine River Park. There is food, there's activity, there's games, there's kids running around, there's frisbees flying, people getting injured. It's wonderful. It's everything you're looking for in an all-church experience. And so we share a meal together, we fellowship, and then we head over to the water where we do some worship. And then a bunch of people make a public declaration of the fact that they are followers of Jesus Christ by being baptized right there in the river. It's faith building, it's encouraging, and it's a huge celebration. So get that one on your calendars, Wednesday, August the 9th. Those of you that are good potluckers, start planning that perfect potluck recipe now because we want it all to be good. And then even more important than that, maybe you're one of the people who are thinking it's about time to be baptized. Maybe you've recently come to faith in Jesus Christ, or maybe you've been a Christian a long time, but you've never taken that next step 
of making a public declaration in baptism that you're a follower of Jesus or anywhere in between, we would love to be part of that journey with you and have you be baptized here in just the, uh, in the next few weeks, really, right? And so here's, here's what you need to do if you're interested in being baptized. And by interested, I mean whether you already know for sure that that's your next step or, or perhaps you're just interested in finding out more about it. What does baptism mean? What does it all entail? And why would I do that in the first place? Even if, if you're asking those questions, then I want you to go to the information center and get signed up for the classes and the instruction and, and the meetings that go along with preparation for baptism, because that's where you're gonna learn all of the, that stuff. And then we'll gather up again on the 9th of August for that baptism and have a great celebration. As for the rest of this morning, uh, we're going to spend some time singing and worshiping and hearing from uh, the message in our series on the Ten Commandments, which is going to be great. So with hearts full of joy and a lot of enthusiasm, would you stand and pray with me as we get ready to move forward? Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the freedom in our spirits that comes just from knowing you, and thank you for the love you pour out on us. In this hour, God, we want to bring the best of our hearts to you as we sing and as we worship. And God, we want to ask that even now in this moment, you'd begin opening our heart and our mind and our spirit to hear from you what it is you might say to us in this day. In Jesus' name, amen.
such a great gift to be able to make that declaration that it is well with my soul whether that's a whether that's the declaration of something that feels true because things are good or whether that's simply a declaration of faith even when times are difficult it's a powerful declaration that we can make right and what makes it well with our soul is the promise of God with us God near to us God active in us so we come to times like this that we're about to have where we just where we get to spend some time with the Lord praying where we get to hear what it is that he might say to us in this moment Psalm 25 says this good and upright is the Lord and therefore he instructs sinners in his ways he guides the humble in what is right and he teaches them his way and I believe that as we head into this time of prayer in, in a moment, that we're going to find that, it, that if we come to the Lord recognizing that we're broken and in need, that we're sinners and we're humble before him, he will speak to us. He will guide us into his paths and teach us his ways. He'll give us next step. He'll speak the words of comfort and hope that we need. And it will be well with our soul. So would you take the opportunity of these next minutes to carry on that conversation with the Lord. Share with him your heart and listen to his words of guidance and instruction as well. Let's pray.
Lord, we thank you for just the time to be in your presence, the time to pray, the time to hear from you, and to feel your presence and to be refilled. Hear our prayer, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What a powerful, great time of worship this morning. I just, you can just feel God's presence here with us. Right now, we're going to receive our tithes and offering, part of our worship, part of the most, maybe the most practical form of worship is when we give back to God some of that which He's entrusted to us and given to us and given us capacity and abilities. And uh, so let's do that joyfully this morning. Um, also, if you're giving online, there's various options of text to give and uh, as well as just giving off of our website, so feel free to do that. Ah, the ushers come right now. Well, we are in a series called The Good Life, coming from the Ten Commandments, and, uh, and I think that that's a very appropriate title because there's something about life that can be good when we do things God's way. And one of the things that, that God wants us to embed into our life is this thing called rest. And uh, this is a great day, right? Hoop Fest is going on. They're down on the blacktop. They're playing. They're, they're sweating. We're here comfortable sitting in our nice chairs with a nice fan blowing down on you. And we're going to talk about rest. I like that. It's perfect. Well, this whole idea of rest, uh, we see it in the Ten Commandments. And it's something that God wants us to experience, but we fight it. I don't know why we fight it. It just seems like a gift he's trying to give us. And yet we're like constantly going, no, I don't think I need that gift. It's like a two-year-old who needs a nap. You know they need a nap. The st everybody at the store knows you need to take them home and give them a nap. But they don't think they need a nap, right? And, and so it doesn't matter whether you're two or 20 or 50 or 70, we still fight the concept of rest in our lives, which we're gonna talk about in this fourth commandment today called the Sabbath. And it kind of reminds me of a conference I was gonna take our staff on. Every now and then we are able to go and do a little conference together and build up the staff. And so it was several years ago, we were gonna go to Seattle, rent a van. Uh, we were gonna we had a place to stay, we had food provided, everything was provided, there were these great speakers, awesome worship music, and so I just thought, what a fun experience, we'll bring the whole staff over. And so we started talking about this on staff, everybody except one individual was excited about it. And so I, I couldn't figure it out, I kept asking this person, I said, why don't you wanna go, I don't know, maybe, you know, I don't think I like that one speaker, or I don't know, you know, a band, really? I don't know. And finally, I was so frustrated. I said, you're coming. We're all going. Whether you like it or not, I'm putting a commandment in place right now. You will come. You will have fun. You will be inspired. And if you're not, don't tell me about it. Because this is what's good for the team. The fourth commandment is called Sabbath. And can I just say up front, if you're taking notes, it is more than a day off more than a day off. It's a day dedicated to rest and worship. See, a day off can be just a day off from getting paid to do work, to be at home where you're not paid to do more work. 
And so a, day, a lot of our day offs can just be absorbed with busyness and with activity and with chores and with duties and with more work. That is not a Sabbath. Do not confuse the two. And so I want to talk more about what is a Sabbath. Why is that important in our lives? It's interesting as well to me that God has more to say about the Sabbath than he does about murder or adultery. It's the longest of the Ten Commandments. It's as if he's saying, hey, I am really serious about this thing called Sabbath. These are not the great ten suggestions. This is important. I want you to embed it into your life. I know how I've made you. You're a human being, not a human doing. And so I want to bless your marriage. I want to keep your relationships with your friends healthy. I want your body to run healthy. I want your mind to be sharp. And so I know how to help your soul flourish. And it's rooted in this thing called Sabbath. So let's read it together. If you have a Bible, we'll look at Exodus chapter 20. And at this fourth commandment, starting in verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. Now get this, here's the reason. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. He made it holy. Now there's a lot here. God says, you are a human being, you need a Sabbath. Sabbath uh, in the Hebrew is the word sabbat, and it means to cease and to celebrate, to worship and to rest, to cease from your labor and to celebrate. An entire day where you put away all of your work, all of the emails and callbacks and grading papers and homework. Some of you are like, that's no problem. But I mean, seriously, everything that takes a demand and taxes you and engages you in the, in the sense of work and we're to cease from all of that and then celebrate the God of all creation. Celebrate the one who is the lover of our soul to keep the day holy, special, dedicated. Verse 11, verse 11 tells us the reason, the reason for that. Matter of fact, in verse 11, Moses is actually quoting creation story from Genesis chapter two. And he's saying that God, before the 10 commandments, before everything, God is the one who actually created this concept of the Sabbath. And here's what, uh, here's what it said. On the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. This is Genesis 2. So God blessed the seventh day. He made it holy because on it God rested from all of his work that he had done in creation. I mean, God worked six days. He had a pretty productive week, I would say. And then on the seventh day, he rested. Now, why did he rest? Was he worn out? Was he tired? No, he wasn't tired. It was time now to cease from his labor and to celebrate. 
And so God rested on the seventh day, and he blessed it. He blessed that day. I mean, think of it just in a human, in human terms. Let's say, as a simple illustration, you go out to your yard, and you work in your yard, and you weed the flower beds, and you mow the lawn, and you trim the hedges, and you clean up the debris, you sweep off the deck and the porch, you know, you do the various chores, and then late in the day, you're finally done. And you go and you sit on your deck in the shade, you pop open a cold one, and you look out over your little domain and you go, it is good. <laughs> you know? It's time to celebrate all of what has been done. It's just a line in the sand that gets drawn and you celebrate, you stop. God blessed the Sabbath. What does it mean? I mean, it's an interesting thing that he blessed the Sabbath because as you read the creation story, you'll find there are three things that God blessed in the creation story. One was animals. The second one were humans. And the third one was the Sabbath. All three of them. What, what, what do these three things have in common? They all produce life. They all produce life. Animals have that capacity, human beings, and the Sabbath has that capacity as well to produce life in you. Life in your soul, renewed strength in your body, renewed sense of well-being in your mind, a refocused spirit. It's life-giving. The other interesting thing is it says that God blessed it and made it holy is that it's the very first usage of this word holy in Genesis, again in the creation story. And the word holy means dedicated, different, set apart, unique and special. It's not like the other six days. And that's why it's not just where I transition from doing work I get paid for to work that I don't get paid for. No, it is completely set apart and different than all the other six days of the week. And so it makes Sabbath significant because God blessed it and he made it holy. And he wants us to cease from our labor and to celebrate, to rest and to worship. There's a proverb, this great proverb in Ecclesiastes that says this. In Ecclesiastes 10, it says, there is a, uh, it says, when you chop wood, there's a danger with each stroke of your axe. Using a dull axe requires great strength, so sharpen the blade. And those of you who have cut wood, I mean, cutting wood with a sharp axe is really fun. With each stroke, man, you split the wood, it's pretty safe. It's pretty fun, it's very productive. But when your ax becomes dull, it becomes laborious and even dangerous. And so the time it takes to pull away from the job to sharpen the ax is well worth it. And that's what the proverb is saying. And it's true within your soul. Sabbath is a time where sharpening the blade of your soul, giving rest to your body, your mind, so that when you come back the next day, you are ready to go. You are ready to go. See, there is a danger in not taking Sabbath. There's a great danger, just like in cutting wood with a dull ax, because it leads to burnout when we don't take it. 
Jesus said in Mark chapter 2, verse 27, he said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, God says, I made this for you, to bless you, to help you, so that you stay sharp, so that you're replenished, so that your soul thrives. You don't do this for me. You don't have to keep Sabbath to be religious or to check off a box or to make sure you're keeping the rules. No, he's saying every seven days you need physical, emotional, spiritual rest where you shut the batteries down. I mean, those of you with cell phones know that you're not supposed to keep the cell phone running even though you plug it in every night all week long. You're supposed to power it down. So I'm teaching some of you that you're like, really? Yeah, at least once a week you power it completely off and then you reboot it, clears it out. I mean, it's just so simple, but it's something that we struggle with. So when is Sabbath? When is the seventh day? Anybody know? Saturday, Sunday, right. The seventh day comes right after the sixth day. That's, that's when it is. And you get to choose when that is for you. When is your Sabbath? Now, for a lot of people, Sunday is. For Christians, a lot, of, a lot of us, Sunday is that day. I mean, for Muslims, Sabbath is on Friday. For uh, Jews, uh, they celebrate it on Saturday. So there's different days of the week, right? Now, I love, I love coming to church on Sunday, but Sunday, for me, is not my Sabbath. It's a day that I work. And no, you're not a lot of work, but... It's just work, it's taxing. There's a lot of output, right? And so for me, Friday is my Sabbath. Friday is a Sabbath to rest, to celebrate, to listen to God. Now, where do we come up with that? Where, oh, you don't have to do it on a specific day? Well, the Apostle Paul fleshes this out in Romans chapter 14, verse five. He says, one person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. See, God says, just pick one day and make that your Sabbath that comes after a period of six days of work, both paid work and unpaid work, and then dedicate that day. That's what it means to make it holy. You dedicate it, you set it apart from all the others. It doesn't look like the others. And in that day, you cease from all labor and you celebrate, you worship. So what can you do or not do? What are you supposed to do on a Sabbath? Remember, I said it's not just a day off, right? It's a day with some focus. It's a day with, with something that you're actually going to do, which is rest. Actually, I don't know about you, but I have to plan Sabbath. It doesn't just come naturally for me. I'm a doer. I like to stay busy. And so I have to think about Sabbath as something that has an intentional plan with a boundary and a block around that time frame and that day each week. And it means that um, we rest. Now, what is rest for you? Rest looks different for each of us, I, I would say. Like for some of you, you love gardening. That is not rest to me. I was actually given punishments as a kid to go out and weed. So I hate weeding, 
I don't like, gar I'll do some of it, but uh, I'm glad I live at the end of a road where neighbors don't have to see my yard because except for uh, the fact that I do have someone that comes and mows it, which is awesome. Thank you, Hayden. <laughs> but here's the deal, is that rest looks different for all of us. What does rest look like for you? For some, for some, rest means I, I don't wanna, I don't wanna lift anything, I don't wanna do anything because you work physically all week long and so you physically need to rest. For me, I sit all week long or now I have a standing desk. But the problem is, is that for me, rest means movement, to go out, to go on a run, to go on a long walk, to go on a hike. And so that's rest for me. What is it? If we just use those two things to say, is this Sabbath? Sabbath means rest. So is what you're doing on your Sabbath, whatever you're calling your Sabbath, restful? Is it replenishing you? And then is it celebratory? Is it worship? Those are the two things we need to be thinking about as we, as we take Sabbath. So, what is your regular day? Not necessarily your day off, maybe it is your day off, but it's a planned, intentional, weekly Sabbath. When is that for you? When is that? Do you have that in your schedule, in your life? And if not, Will you start today to put that into your life, to rest, to worship, to cease and to celebrate so that God can begin to bless you in ways that maybe you haven't even experienced before, where he renews your soul, he helps build your family, and he deepens your friendships because you keep it holy. So how do I keep it holy? What do I do? Well, a couple thoughts on this one. First of all, God says use the day to rest the most drained part of yourself. I already hit on this uh, concept of physically for those of us who, um, those of you, not me, who work in a, in a job where it's very physically demanding all of the time. You, you might need to go see a movie. You might need to chill on the couch. You might need to do something other than physical uh, movement, labor, or workouts, or all of that. Today, in the 21st century, I mean, we use computers. Most of us use computers and smartphones. And, and, uh, and, and one of the things that we may need to rest from in order to get refilled is all the technology. I, I know of a guy that on his Sabbath, he goes around the house and he collects in a box all of the cell phones and tablets and computers. And the laptops, puts them in a box, his kids, him, his wife, and then he puts up in the closet for that day. Can you imagine that? Some of you are like shaking right now. <laughs> like, I can't believe someone would be so evil to do that. <laughs> but according to him, technology is kind of such a part of their life that we're tethered to it and that it controls us often instead of it con us controlling it. And so one of the ways that he, he celebrates, and one of the ways he ceases is from getting rid of that for the day. Psalm 127, verse 2 says, In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for the, he grants sleep to those he loves. See, God says, I want you to be rested. I, wanna, I want you to sleep. I want you to... Now, sleep's interesting, right? Because we live in a culture that says, no, if you sleep less, 
you're more successful, you're more productive, you stand out in society. I know of one public figure that brags that he only sleeps like four hours, three to four hours a night. He's running our country. I recommend maybe eight hours, you know. I, I think that that would be good. I would feel, I would have more peace at night knowing that was happening. See, there's stress and pressure and burnout. There's all kinds of expectations on us today that we never had before because of technology, specifically our smartphones and our laptops and our tablets. One research uh, poll found that now we're working an average of two hours more per day, but we're not counting it. Because you know, when you're laying on your couch or in your bed, you're going through emails, returning texts, you're writing down little to-dos that you remember, you don't count that, right? Two hours, that means that instead of a 40-hour week, now you're working 50, but you just don't know it. Or instead of a 50-hour week, you're working 60. And this is, this is one that really gets me, because I, I love technology, I use it, um, and uh, unfortunately, it's something I need to change. It's something, it's an area where even on, my, on a Sabbath or a day off, I'll still be thinking and typing. I'm probably one of the people that need to, to go off the guy that puts all the stuff in the box. I just need to get it out of my hands. Now, thankfully, you know, my phone, uh, they took care of that nasty blue light at night, you know, that's supposed to screw with your sleep patterns and all that, and they have something now called night shift mode. So you flip that on, and now you can use the phone all night long. It's amazing. You know, these corporations really care about us. I like that. See, we need rest in our thinking, in our minds, and in our bodies, and in our souls. What's it going to take for you to begin to set some boundaries? For me to start setting some boundaries? Because those boundaries get blurred when we're so tethered to our technology the convenience of it all. It's supposed to be time-saving, but what's happening is it's really, really killing us at the same time. Our bodies, our minds were not built for non-stop thinking and non-stop work. And that goes uh, for those who are stay-at-home parents too, is that just that non-stopness isn't good. It'll take its toll. There are two kinds of fatigue, physical, Fatigue, where we get tired in our muscles, and then spiritual fatigue, where we're just tired in our soul, tired in our emotions. And today, that's probably more of an issue than ever before, is because so many of us are involved in jobs that's very emotionally taxing. Uh, those of you who work with people, if you work in teams, or work at school, or work in healthcare, work in law enforcement, I mean, that's a super emotionally taxing role, dealing with crises and so forth. And so what is it going to take to not just renew and restore your physical body, but your, your emotions, your soul as well? God wants you to use the Sabbath to recharge your emotions and creativity. So I use Friday, which I told you is my Sabbath day, to try and recharge my emotions because I work in a role that has a lot of emotion behind it. And uh, so, as many of you do as well. And so, the way that that works for me, and uh, I'm going to recommend this for you, uh, a couple things we can do to recharge ourselves emotionally and in our soul. One thing is this. Include time for quietness. For quietness. 
Psalm 23, verse 3 says, He leads me beside quiet waters. And it's in that place that he restores my soul. Quietness and soul restoration, they go together. Now, I know for some it's really hard to find a place of quietness. And then for others, it's like it's not that hard to find it. You just don't want it. And, and I, I don't know where you fall in that. But there's something unique and special about the way getting before God in quietness, maybe with the scripture, maybe with the Bible, doing a devotion, praying, whatever it may be, worshiping, just taking a walk alone somewhere that is peaceful. There's something about that that recharges you. And so, you know, that's something that you want to talk about in your home is to support each other in that. Give each other the alone time that you need. If you're a single parent, you have a lot of kids, I mean, it's especially difficult. I have so much respect for you. And yet I know at the same time, I mean, uh, I think it was Susanna Wesley who used to take her apron. She had like 10 kids and she would put it over her head while she would sit in her rocker. And she would say, when you see the apron over my head, do not talk to me. And she would get about 10 minutes that way. So it's challenging, but it can be done. And there's something powerful about it. The other thing to do for recharging of your, of your emotional life and your soul is include time for life-giving relationships. God wants you to spend time with those people who bring life to you. Some of you work in roles and jobs where uh, you wouldn't call all of those life-giving relationships, right? Some of them are just really taxing. And so it's the life-giving ones that, that can breathe. For example, you know, I have grandkids. When one of them runs up to me and grabs my leg, I mean, whoosh, my tank just fills up emotionally. I love being around my grandkids, being around my kids and uh, friendships, and so it's just that element of being around, making it an intentional thing. That, that's part of Sabbath, it's part of renewing of our soul. And uh, so, those of you with small children, you know, what does that look like? How do you do that? How do you enjoy Sabbath? You got this busy family with lots of kids. Maybe you wake up in the morning, and for me, a good Sabbath is I wake up about 8 a.m., and you're like, 8 a.m.? How? Well, you have to get to be my age probably for that to work out for you. But if you're at home and you have a young kids, maybe day starts at 6 a.m. for you. You can make pancakes with them. You know, you're playing shoots and ladder by 7.30. You're, you're just diving in and making Sabbath a fun day for the whole family, for everyone in, involved and included. I'm so thankful for Tisa because she helps me stay on track with taking a Sabbath each week. Um, there's times when I'm tempted not to, and there are times when I actually don't take one. Um, but those times I don't, normally I feel it the next week. I feel something is missing. I'm not as sharp. I'm not as replenished as I ought to be. And so uh, a good one for me, if I can just describe it, wake up about 8 a.m., uh, nice long sleep. And then we sip coffee together and I'll do a devotion, just kind of some quiet time alone. And then we'll make a plan to go out and somewhere maybe on the Centennial Trail and go on a run together. 
And then we'll come back and we'll eat lunch together. We'll make something. Maybe we'll see in the afternoon one of our kids or grandkids and get that relational time and then, and then uh, or a friend. And then uh, at night, maybe we'll go out on a date or we'll go down by the river again. And we love that and go down by the waterfalls, get some ice cream, come home, go to bed early, celebrate like married couples can and do. Uh, and, you know, it's just that's a great day. That's a great Sabbath. It's time to celebrate God, celebrate the relationships, and to rest. So, last thing I wanna just mention about Sabbath is to refocus our spirit. See, we can do all the right things. Go out and in the Northwest, especially in the summer, we're great at this. Take a weekend, you go out and you play hard, you recreate, you know, you pack up all the gear, you do all the stuff, you go somewhere, you're with people, you do all the right stuff, right? But sometimes you come home and you're still tired, maybe even exhausted on a Sunday night and then you go back to work and you're wondering what's missing. We are spiritual beings and we need our spirit refilled with the power and the person of the Holy Spirit all of the time. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul said in Ephesians 5 is that we need this filling and this refilling all of the time. And that's what I love about coming together on a Sunday is that we're able to do that. Psalm 95 says, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. What a great day to recalibrate our spirit, to build that into Sabbath. And for so many who do celebrate Sunday as your Sabbath, you're able to come and worship God together in a place like this and then go out and play and be together as a family and have those significant conversations and, uh, and eat and eat and have fun and go to bed early and, and just uh, make it a great, great day. Worship is celebrating God and we need that. Renewing our emotions, strengthening our bodies, healing our wounded soul. Have you ever thought of how Jesus got in the most trouble on the Sabbath? I mean, he got in a lot of trouble all the time on Sabbath. You know why? The reason why is he was healing people. He was constantly healing people on the Sabbath. He's still healing people on the Sabbath. There's something about taking Sabbath that we experience Jesus in a powerful way where he binds up our broken heart. He renews our soul. He renews our thinking. He fills us with the power of the Holy Spirit. He's healing our bodies and our souls and our minds, our spirit. That's the Jesus life, the life that he came to give us, an abundant life, a full life, a good life. Sabbath was created by God for you in the beginning of time. It wasn't just thought up at the Ten Commandments. It was part of the creation story. God blessed it. He made it holy. And yes, like two-year-olds, we, we didn't want to take it, and so he put it in the Ten Commandments. It's a principle to live by today. It's just as valid today as it was then. Yes, you pick. Which day will you make your Sabbath each week? And then you have to protect it. And then you have to prepare for it like they did in ancient Israel. They prepared the day before for the Sabbath that was coming. 
For us, it means we got to do our yard work and our, our dishes and stuff the night before if we're going to have a good Sabbath so that I'm not caught up just doing tons of chores. You prepare for it. And then you focus on those areas of your life that need the most care and rest. Rest and worship. Cease and celebrate. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that you made the Sabbath. And we thank you, God, that you made it for our benefit. And Lord, we are so busy and we walk around, most of us, so tired and weary. And yet I just wonder, God, that if we were to take the Sabbath seriously and begin to really live in it weekly, to not just treat it as a day off, check a box that, that we're not going to work that day, but God, that we would really enter into the whole concept of the Sabbath, to rest and to worship. How that might really affect our soul and change the way we think and increase our creativity and our ability to care for and love others. So God, we're just turning back to you today, back to your principles, back to the Sabbath. And just saying, God, forgive us for breaking it, for not caring about it, for um, compromising it so many times to our own demise. Lord, help us now on this day turn back to you and just to embrace it. Lord, give each one of us the wisdom we need, how to walk it out, how to live it, how to protect it, how to plan for it. And Lord, would you give us capacity uh, in all of our families and friendship circles as well to support each other in that. And Jesus, most of all, thank you for rest. Jesus said, come to me, all you are weary and overburdened, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And friend, I just want to encourage you right now, give God your burdens. Give him those things you're trying to control, but you can't control them. And let his yoke come upon you, which is easy, it's light. He wants to give you rest. So Lord, we give you these burdens right now. Would you just visualize, just putting that in, in, in the hands of Jesus. And God, I just give it to you. I give you these people. I give you these family members. I give you this job. I give you these various things that are creating stress and anxiety in my life. And Lord, I just want, I want your rest. And I'm embracing that by faith this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't know about you, but that is, um, that's both challenging and really um, encouraging too. Challenging because a message like that uh, requires us to maybe make some tough decisions and actually do what it is that God's putting on our heart. And I, I encourage you to do that this week. And then encouraging because, man, what God gives us in new life and new freshness and a restored spirit and a sharpened blade. So 
A um, couple things just before we go. If you would like someone to pray with you about a need that you're experiencing in your life, there's going to be a prayer team over here on this side of the auditorium. Come forward. They'd be glad to meet with you and pray with you. If you're new to the church and are looking to meet with me for five minutes for the first connect, I'll be right over here by the monitor over there. God bless you. Have a great rest of your weekend.